0: Welcome to Small Stories About Big Things. I'm your host, Bobby Holm Lippert, and each week we are committed to discovering a little bit more about life, one story at a time. This week's story is entitled Cornhole Judgment, When the Story We Tell Ourselves Isn't True. I spent an hour one recent Sunday afternoon stewing in judgment over a 10-year-old hogging the cornhole bags at a bar and grill in Waco, Texas, Our family and another had chosen the location for lunch because the restaurant had a large outdoor area where our kids could run around together. When we arrived to see a cornhole set up, I thought, perfect! My seven-year-old and I have been enjoying some special bonding over cornhole in recent days, and I knew it would be a blast to keep the momentum going. He sensed it too, because it wasn't long before he was peeking over at the cornhole boards himself. Neither of us, however, walked up to the area where the cornhole boards were set out because a couple of kids were already playing. The boy was probably 10, the girl about 8, and they were soaking in all the surprising joy of tossing old bags at a hole. Which was fine, until 10 minutes went by. And then 20, and then a half hour. Weren't these kids going to give someone else a turn? True. True. A more adult version of Bobby could have just gone over and asked, May my son and I have the next turn? Instead, I stared and stewed while my son ran around with his friends in another part of the outdoor area. In my stewing, I began to note how both children were dressed a good tick or two above bar and grill attire. Spoiled. I said to myself a little more readily than I would like to admit, and how are they so unaware that maybe other children may want a turn? This internal thought, of course, reinforced my spoiled assessment of them. Eventually, the girl left to play elsewhere, but the boy kept at it. Toss, toss, toss. Quickly retrieve. Repeat. I think he knows. I yell, whispered over to my wife. I, I think. That boy is purposely moving quickly between the cornhole boards to gather the bags so that we don't get them. My wife was involved in a conversation with our friends, so I didn't get much of a response, but I knew he knew. He had to know. Eventually, I looked over at the boy's parents, and their beers were still half full, which did not suggest they were moving along anytime soon. They, too, were nicely dressed, and I readily gathered where... The child got his spoiled, oblivious ways. Almost 50 minutes into our time there, my son walked close enough to the cornhole area that it felt natural for him to pick up one of the bags. Without a word, he tossed it. The boy who had been playing made a motion, suggesting this was perfectly fine. And then the boy said aloud to no one in particular, I I think I'm going to take a break. A break indeed, I exclaimed within. In fact, I decided to make sure it was a decently long break by walking over to the corn hole area myself so that I could begin tossing the bags with my son. Nobody's going to mess with an adult taking over this area. My son and I tossed back and forth a couple times until the kid's parents interrupted. I'm sure it'll be totally fine with the restaurant if you want to keep... Playing, they said, immediately making me wonder why in the world the restaurant was going to get involved with our family, finally having a chance to play. Uh, But you have to give them collateral to rent the bags, they went on. We gave them a driver's license, and since we're leaving, we need to take the bags back. Of course, you're welcome to walk with us to the counter to provide them with collateral. I felt myself take a step back. And if it had been possible, I would have stepped into the recesses of complete oblivion. The step was accompanied by an embarrassment-filled heat rising within. This really had been their turn. The entire judgment-filled time. Eventually, I muttered, "'Oh, I'm so sorry. Here, here, we, we do not need to play. Let, let us help.' We proceeded to help them collect the bags back together." And though they knew nothing of my inner monologue, I felt so ashamed that I simply couldn't join them at the counter to rent the bags for myself. Once the couple finished returning the bags, one of them walked up to our table and kindly inquired, are y'all local? No, we're in Georgetown, my wife replied. Love Georgetown, the parent responded enthusiastically. Well, nice to have you here today. Bye. It never ceases to amaze me how little we know about what we see. I saw a selfish, spoiled child. I saw entitled parents. I saw cornhole joy hoarded and stolen from my child. Honestly, the inner monologue was next-level ridiculous. Not only because I was unaware of the situation, it really was their turn but also because my judgment clouded me from seeing other very sane interpretations. Like maybe they were dressed up because they'd been to church that day. And I showed no inclination to act like an adult and simply inquire about joining in. Which meant I left the restaurant exhausted, not because my children had a lot of extra energy to run off, or even because the day had already been full, but because I wasted a ton of mental energy on a story that wasn't true and one I had not been willing to do a thing about. Sometimes I wonder if some of the current exhaustion many of us face these days isn't for similar reasons. We can stew for hours and days, even years, over a neighbor, our spouse, our colleague, work situation, a group of people, a political figure, a political decision, a community challenge, a global challenge. And for a time, it can feel oddly gratifying to bask in our righteous anger. And yet anger held for very long begins to deplete us, eat at us, consume us, and worse, What if our anger is misplaced at some level? What if we do not nearly or fully appreciate the reality of that person, that situation, or that decision about which we are fuming? What if our stewing is clouding us from seeing some other very sane possibilities for why someone is doing or saying that? To be sure, there are times when our stewing is at least partially justified, maybe more. But even so, what are we going to do about it? Many of us spew our frustrations, our judgments, our anger in gossip, social media posts, via a constant internal monologue, which is really just turning a flame of judgment into a campfire and then a bonfire, and that becomes a forest fire. At which point the damage really does become incalculable. Another route? Take a deep breath and risk changing the story for good. And true, you may walk right up to the nicely dressed child and his Nicely dressed parents, and you may request to play along with them in the kindest, most sincere voice you have. And they may still say no. They may prove jerks or not. Either way, their reaction cannot be controlled. Fundamentally, we can only ever control our own actions and reactions. Fortunately, we usually have more agency, choice, and power then we're prone to let ourselves believe. Is there anything in life calling you to set aside the stewing and spewing and see about a new possibility, a different trajectory for the story? Anything within prepared to discover that there might be more to a situation or a challenge or a problem Than you first knew about. Is there anything within. Prepared to discover that. Maybe we've been telling ourselves a story. That isn't true. Because here's the basic truth. We can stand up and act. And humbleness is the birthplace of growth. And there is a kind of. Surprising joy known when tossing that old wisdom at a new problem. Thank you for listening to the latest story from Small Stories about Big Things.